Welcome to Board Games Interview IL. I am your host, Moen. Hello everyone, and welcome to the monthly podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Rodney Smith, from the YouTube channel Watch It Play. For those of you who do not know him, Rodney is from Canada, a father of two children. And he makes videos explaining board game rules as his main job since 2011. Happy 10th anniversary, by the way. Recently, the channel grows even more, adding Paula, Chez, and Matthew. Together, they have board game news, top 10s, and so much more. Together with the Israeli board game community, we ask the following questions in the interview. So thank you for everyone who submitted questions. And I hope Rodney will answer them all. I also have to say that if I am saying your name and or last name wrong, I truly am sorry in advance. Hello, Rodney. How are you? Well, first of all, for everyone who's listening in Israel or wherever you might be, I think this is the very first time I've ever been interviewed for a predominantly Israeli audience. So this is a real pleasure. And I just want to say... Hello from Canada. I am right now recording from my basement in Prince Edward Island. It's a little province on the east coast of Canada, and it's a real pleasure to be here. And I've got a whole bunch of questions <laughs> to try to answer, and I'm going to do my best to answer each and every one of them. So let's jump right in. The first question is, how can you help me with this podcast? Well, I'm glad you all asked. The first way is to just do all the social media stuff. For example, give a like, share, comment. It means a lot to me. The second way is that if you are a famous board game YouTube persona, or a designer, or even a listener who knows a way to contact us together, let me all know. I will put the ways to contact me in the description of the episode. Also, please stay after the credits for the Hebrew summary of the episode. And now for the real questions. First question. Guy Shavit asks, how do you decide which games To explain their rules well that's a great question because every year 3,000 games release and I can cover about 55 of them so obviously there's lots of fantastic amazing games I'll never be able to cover there just isn't enough time so how do I pick the ones I do feature well there's three main things and the first one is I have to like the game now I don't review on my channel so when I'm giving a tutorial video you won't hear any opinions But personally, behind the scenes, I have to like the game, at least on some level, because I'm going to be spending a lot of time with it. I'm going to be learning how to play it. I'm going to be writing a complete script and then shooting it and then editing it. And then once it's online, I do my best to answer every comment and question on all of my videos all the way back from 2011. So if I was providing that kind of support to games I didn't like, I would be miserable all the time. <laughs> and I think when you watch the videos, you can see, hopefully, that I'm not miserable. I really enjoy doing what I do, and part of that is because I pick games that I want to feature. It doesn't mean the game has to be the most amazing game I've ever played, but I have to like something about it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, it has to be a good fit for the channel. I like to feature a lot of different types of games on the channel, so if I've done several games that are kind of the same, and another one comes along that's also similar, maybe in theme, or in style, then I might pass on it just because I want to do something different. And then the third thing, once I know it's a game I like, and it's a game that would be a good fit, then the publisher has to partner with me to get the video created. Watch It Played is my full-time job, and I charge for my tutorial services. 
But that third thing, although it's very important, is probably the least important of the three. Because even if a publisher was interested in hiring me, if I didn't like the game and I didn't think it was a good fit, then I just wouldn't do it. And there you go. That's how I decide what games I'm going to feature on the channel. Gilad Nadler asked the following. Are you a Euro or a Meritrash gamer? What is the tutorial you are most proud of? And when will your vlog come back? All right, so this next person is actually asking me three questions. Very, very greedy. All right, let me see if I can answer all three of them very quickly. The first one, are you a Euro or a Meritrash gamer? Both. And I love dexterity games and party games and war games. You name it, my tastes are very broad, which is great because that means on the channel I can feature lots of different types of games and enjoy all of them. Then they wanted to know, what is the tutorial that I'm most proud of? You know, that's really hard to pick because, again, I only feature games I want to, so I enjoy doing all of them. Maybe instead of picking a game I'm quite proud of doing, why don't I tell you about a comment that I received that really meant a lot to me. On our Seven Wonders video, a mother left a comment about how she'd bought that game as a gift for her daughter, and then when they tried to play it, they just couldn't figure it out, and it was very frustrating. And they went to YouTube, and they found the video we had done, and then they were able to learn how to play it and enjoy having fun together. And that meant a great deal to me, because it reminded me that some games that maybe I don't think of as being particularly complicated can be very challenging for people who aren't used to the hobby, and to know that the video helped them be able to get past that barrier and enjoy the game, and then maybe go on to discover other games, that really meant a lot to me. And then this person's third question was, when will your vlog come back? So some of you might not realize this, but I have another YouTube channel uh, called Rodney J. Smith. It's just a personal channel where I have a vlog. It has 50 episodes, but I haven't shot another vlog in about a year. So I know it's been a long time and people have been asking, when's it coming back? Well, I had promised that I would do 100 episodes. So I will go back and do them eventually. <laughs> so if you haven't checked out my vlog and you might like to see what it's like to live where I am and some of the adventures that I go on outside of Watch It Played, you can go to youtube.com slash Rodney J. Smith. There's 50 videos there for you to watch and catch up on and hopefully some new ones soon. Amir Kushnir and Dana Ram ask, if you could play with anyone in the world that you have not played with yet, who will it be? Now you might think I would pick some popular gamers, but no, I think I would pick people that are not into gaming that I would just like to have the opportunity to meet. So I'd be very selfish here. I'd probably pick someone like Chris Hatfield, the Canadian astronaut, maybe Isaiah Thomas or Michael Jordan, a couple of basketball stars that I always liked, or maybe David Blaine. I've been getting into magic lately, and maybe I'd like to go hang out with him a little bit, and he could teach me a few cool magic tricks. Dana Ram also asks, who do you usually play with when it is not for work purposes? Well, whether it's for work purposes or just for fun, most of the time I still just play games with my family, whether that's my wife Christy or my son Luke or my daughter Andrea. That's usually who's the easiest to play games with because they live here in the house, especially this year because COVID has kept so many of us from being able to travel or to be able to socialize locally. Playing at home with the family is just the easiest and the safest thing to do. Shalev Babai, Yehoshua Lipsker, and Dor Archery ask... We are huge fans. As a master of the teach and one of the top board game rules teacher on the YouTube, do you have any tips for someone who wants to get better at explaining games? They also ask, how did you become the best board game rules teacher on YouTube? 
I have a lot of tips on this, but it would take too long to tell you all of them here. So let me just give you my favorite one, which is when you think you're ready to teach a game to your friends, before you have them come over, just try to teach the game to yourself out loud. Now, it's very important you do it out loud. If you try to teach it in your own head, a lot of the times you can trick yourself into thinking you're smarter than you really are, <laughs> and you'll just sort of fill in the gaps in your brain. But when you have to say it out loud, you will hear your voice and you'll hear yourself as you repeat yourself or trip over your words or forget things. And that uncomfortableness of not being confident, of not being able to clearly say out loud what it is you're thinking, will help you figure out what you don't know and where you're not confident so you can figure out how to deliver that information in a clearer, more succinct way. You might feel silly doing it, but I highly recommend it. It can really, really help. The next question is, how did you become the top board game rules teacher on YouTube? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind compliment, but the reality is some people will enjoy the videos I make and other people won't like them at all. But I think the important thing is, I've always known what I wanna do, when I first started, I didn't worry about what everyone else was doing. I tried to focus on what it was that I would be passionate doing. And for me, that's teaching games. I love learning games and then teaching them to other people. And so I tried to create videos in an area that I had some confidence in and some passion. And I think, or at least I hope, that that's something that comes through when people watch. Even though I'm sitting here alone in my basement when I'm recording these videos, my hope is that as a viewer, you know that I really am excited about you learning how to play this game. That it's almost like you're at the table with me and we're learning together. That's the way I want to feel. And for people who are out there looking for someone to teach them a game, hopefully I'm, I'm a good fit for that. Dan Evrev and Oded Epstein ask, what are your top three board games? This is something I get asked quite frequently and I never know how to answer it. <laughs> To me, my favorite game to play is usually the one that I think would be a good fit for the other person that I'm going to be playing with. For example, I really enjoy playing Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition, but if I had people over and I knew they weren't really into a horror theme, or they didn't want to get into a game that was going to be quite long, then I would not want to play that game. That would be the worst game to play. Maybe something like Just One, which is a party game, would be the perfect fit, and therefore it would be my favorite game to play in that situation. But then if I had another group of people and they wanted to come over and get into something really thinky with a lot of decisions to make, then just one would be a horrible game to play maybe. And instead, I'd rather be playing Terraforming Mars. So do I like just one more than Terraforming Mars? Yeah, sometimes. It really just depends on the situation. So I'm afraid I'm just gonna have to avoid answering this question once again. Zachy Kravitz asked the following. When you're playing at home, do you teach the players yourself or just sending them a link to your video? <laughs> well, I usually prefer just to teach them myself rather than have them watch a video. But between you and me, usually what I do is I watch my own video to help me remember how to play, and then I go teach them. Gilly Kleinberger asked the following. As one who is also making videos, how long does it take to shoot a 10-minute video? How many times do you shoot until it is perfect for you? Do you have any script? And if not, how do you prepare what to say? Let me just try to summarize all of that. First of all, I have to learn and play the game. So that takes me however long it takes to read the rule book, set the game up in front of me, and then play it with somebody else. Then I do create a script. So I sit down with the rule book and I go cover to cover and rewrite the entire thing, but I rearrange it into a way that I think is better for video and that I believe answers questions that I found I had when I was playing. 
Writing a script usually takes me a full day, sometimes two, depending on the game. And then it will usually take me a full day or two to shoot the tutorial. Having a script certainly helps, but I still take several takes when I'm actually shooting the video because oftentimes once I'm saying things out loud and trying to move things around on the board, I'll find things that I want to adjust or change or just make a little better. Or sometimes I just have trouble saying the words without <laughs> tripping over them or making a mistake. So I'll just repeat until I get it the way I want it. Gilly also asked, what was the longest and tedious video you shot? The longest and most tedious video for me to shoot was probably, well, it was probably Guild Ball because that was a miniatures game and I split that over six or seven parts. It was very involved. I really enjoyed doing it, but it was probably one of the more complicated videos to create. Gilly's last question is, when you happen to be in a muggle environment where no one knows you and you tell them about what you do, what are the comments you get? Well, I'll tell you, most people are equally surprised and also very curious. I think surprised because most people don't know somebody who makes YouTube videos for a living. And then curious because most people want to know, how do you make money doing that? So they'll usually ask about that. And then when they find out I'm making videos about board games, then they get really confused. <laughs> They're like, wait a second, you're making videos. You mean video games, right? And I'll be like, no, no, like board games. And they'll say, yeah, but board games that you play on a computer? I'm like, no, no board games you play at a table. And then they'll usually say, so you mean games like Monopoly and Risk? And usually at that point I'll say, yes, games like that, but actually there's a lot of other games out there that you might not be aware of. And I might name like Ticket to Ride or Catan just in case they have heard of those games. And if they have, well, that's a good opportunity to mention, well, there's actually lots and lots of other games like that out there. But usually I try not to overload them with too much board game information and just try to give them short answers. Shai Falai asks, when you spin those boxes in the air, are they full or empty? Well, I get this question from time to time, but I always feel like the mystery is more fun than knowing, don't you think? So I'll leave that to your imagination. In the same subject, David Chohami and Dana Rom ask, people insist to know how many of those boxes that you flipped in every video actually landed on the floor. And do you have any video proving it? All right, well, I'm not getting off the hook that easy because the next person is asking, how many of the boxes that I've flipped have I dropped on the floor? Well, first of all, I'm very offended that you think I don't catch every single one of them. You don't believe I do it the first time every time? Oh, I'm very disappointed. I actually do have a blooper reel and I'll share a link with the host so they can put that in the description of the podcast if they want. Yeah, I will be glad to share this video. It is in the description of the episode. Let's continue. Kobe Staines asks, what part in creating Watch It Played videos do you most enjoy? Well, I enjoy a lot of it, but I have to say once the script is done, that always feels really good because then I know I'm ready to teach the game. It's also really satisfying once the video is online and I see people watching it and leaving comments, letting me know whether or not it was helpful. And it's very meaningful to get feedback from people who found the videos helpful and help them get into the game and be able to enjoy it more. That really means a lot to me. Daniel Bilik asks, in your opinion, do board games benefit from the use of technology, for example, assistance apps, and such. I think it really depends on the game. There's lots of games that don't need an app, but there are some that have really benefited from it. I really enjoyed Mansions of Madness first edition when it first came out, but there were a number of things that made that game challenging to play. And when the second edition came out with an app, it fixed 
all of the problems I had with the first edition. Now, some people don't like having an app in their game because they don't want a screen at the table. They look at a screen all day long, and when they're board gaming, they don't want to be looking at another screen. Or some people are afraid that the technology will end up out of date and then they won't be able to play their game. I've never really encountered that problem with any games that I have that use an app. And let's just say, for example, if Mansions of Madness's app stopped working. I've played that game loads and loads and loads of times, so I'd be disappointed if I couldn't play it anymore, but I would still feel like I'd gotten my money's worth. Some people won't buy a game with an app at all because they're afraid at some point in the future they might not be able to play it again, but then I feel like, well, aren't you missing out on the opportunity to enjoy that game right now? I guess I value the right now more than I value what I may or may not play in the future. Shir Fadida and Amir Bayer ask, Do you prefer to play co-op or competitive games? What is your favorite mechanic? Can you please mention your favorite game using this kind of mechanic? Well, you might have realized now from listening to this interview that I like a lot of different kinds of games. I love Euro games. I love adventure games. I love party games. I love dexterity games. I like roll and rights. I like war games. I like simulation games. I like party games. I like all kinds of stuff. So I don't even know if I could tell you if I have a favorite mechanic because across all those styles of games, there's just all kinds of different mechanics that work really well in those different styles. For example, I'm looking over at my shelf right now and I see Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. I love playing a game where I'm going on an adventure and I have a character that I'm controlling and you're rolling dice and you don't know what's going to be around the next corner and luck is always waiting there to either give you a moment of celebration or a moment of defeat. So that's a cooperative game, but then I also love a game like Watergate, which is a two-player, head-to-head, really small little game that's very thinky. There's no dice. It's all about careful planning. The theme isn't necessarily very exciting at all, but I'd be equal excited to play either of those games with the right people. I think my favorite thing about games is discovering how they use the various mechanics in clever ways, not any one particular mechanic. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's the best I've got for you. Tomer Melinarski asks, did you ever had a game where you could not understand the rules from the rulebook? When I have a game like that, I go to your videos, but what do you do? Well, yes, this has happened to me. I remember I bought the first edition of Robinson Crusoe, and I tried to learn how to play that game, and I just could not figure it out from the rulebook, so I ended up selling that game and getting rid of it. Thankfully, they released a new edition later with a much better rulebook. It was still a very complicated game, and I enjoyed being able to make a video for it to help other people. But that first edition was, I felt, impossible to learn from. At the time, they did have this like 40-page frequently asked questions document, and I did find that, but I felt like this is more work than I want to put into learning a game. <laughs> so sometimes my answer is I give up. Now, a common thing I'll do is I will go to BoardGameGeek and I'll see if the publisher or designer has provided some answers. So that's one thing I'll try to do. If it's a video that I'm working on, then I will talk directly to the publisher and get my answers from them. So a lot of the times, the video I make will end up being more accurate than the rulebook. Sometimes the video will contradict what's in the rulebook because there's mistakes in the rulebook that I can then fix and put in the video. The next question is from Dan Carmon, and it is just funny as is. <laughs> so, Rodney, take it from here. I now have a request from a listener to say... Luke, I am your father. <laughs> yes, my son's name is Luke. <laughs> they also ask, what do I like to do in my spare time? Well, my most recent hobby that I've been getting into is magic. And not Magic the Gathering, but magic, like magic tricks. I used to enjoy magic when I was younger, but I always struggled with it. 
And now that I'm older, I have started trying it again. A friend of mine showed me some magic that they were learning, and it just kind of rekindled my interest in that old hobby. Now, things with the Watch It Played show keep me very busy, so I'm not learning as quickly as I'd like. But now, along with my shelf of shame for games, I have my shelf of shame for magic tricks that I want to learn and try to perform for people. But mostly, I'm just enjoying learning about magic. That's been a lot of fun, too. Dor Archery and Nafar Basson ask the following. Where are the kids, and why haven't we seen them in a while? Do you have any good advice on how to get kids to the hobby? And what do you do when they disagree on what to play? The main reason is because the kids have grown up. My daughter is now much older, and she's out of the house. She no longer lives at home, and uh, she actually lives in a different province. <laughs> so she wouldn't be available to come over and shoot videos anyway. And my son, he's much older and very busy with school. The videos we used to shoot together for a viewer would be about maybe 20 minutes long, but for us, that represented about two or three hours worth of recording time. So as you can imagine for my son, coming home after a full day at school, then having homework, having a part-time job, having to eat, <laughs> having friends, having other interests and activities, there's not really room in his life for two to three hours of shooting videos. And that's perfectly okay. I always knew that making videos was something I was passionate about and I wanted to do, and I was so glad to have the kids doing it with me. But I never wanted it to be an obligation for them or a job for them. This is not something they were choosing. This is something I was choosing. As long as they were free and wanted to do it, I was happy to have them. But I never wanted it to be a burden for them. So I'm very happy that they're able to do their own thing right now. And if time ever opens up and they're able to come back on the show, I'd be happy to have them. But it's never something that I'll try to force them to do. The next question is actually kind of on that note. It says, do you have any good advice for how to get kids into the hobby? I think my main piece of advice is don't force it. You know, if your kid has homework to do, that's something you might need to force them to do. Or if you have healthy food you want them to eat, that's something you might have to force them to do. But games and board games are for fun. And if that's not where they get their fun, then I wouldn't want to force it because you won't make them enjoy it. And if anything, they might start to resent it. But if you think they might have an interest in board games, then my best piece of advice is to find themes they're attracted to. Also find games that are not too complex. Find games that they're able to learn very easily, even if they're kind of boring and dull for you. As long as it's fun for them, that's the most important thing. Because as they get older, then they might have an interest in more complicated games. And then eventually, you know, it's something you might be able to share equally with them. But my biggest piece of advice is just don't rush it. Your kids will be with you for a long time, so you'll have lots of opportunities. Okay, it's time for my questions. My first one is, where did you get the idea to expand your channel with Matt, Paula, and Chez? Why do you think that the channel needs to grow to have multiple news or funny sections? And can you please tell me, how is it to work with them? Do you have any funny moments to tell us about? Well, first of all, this has been one of the most fulfilling years working on the channel, to be honest. I've always loved creating tutorial videos, as well as other types of videos. But my tutorial work is taking up so much of my time, I don't have as much time to create the other types of videos that I used to, like table talks and gameplays and product previews. But Chaz and I have been friends for a long time, and we've been talking about ways to collaborate, and I'd just been loving the videos he'd been making, and I thought they would be a great fit for Watch It Played. And so we agreed to start working together, and Chaz had already been working with Matthew and Paula, so we brought their great talents over with him, and all four of us just really hit it off. I think we have a shared vision of believing that videos about board games can be informative and share good information, but they can also be fun and entertaining. 
And my hope is that that's what we're able to continue doing, creating fun and funny, but also informative videos for people to watch and enjoy about their hobby. And it's also been very creatively rewarding for me because these are very different videos than I normally make, but I've been able to participate my own way in them. And it's been really fun to try new things. But not just that. Watch It Played before we all started working together was just me. So if I got sick or ill, all the videos would just stop on the channel. Well, now that's not true. If I needed to take a break for a short while, I could, and there would still be videos on the channel. And that's really helpful because someday I might get in an accident or something and need some time to recover, and I wouldn't want the channel to just die overnight. And it has been fantastic working with all three of them. Usually every two weeks we have meetings, and we decided we were going to have to make those meetings a little longer because at the beginning of the meetings, we are usually joking and carrying on with each other long before we actually get to any real business. <laughs> and we realized it's good. It's, it's kind of like a little bit of a team building moment before the meeting and we need them, but we also need the time for the important business work we have to do. <laughs> so we've just made our meetings a little longer so we can also have fun along with the work. And we've got new projects that we're talking about all the time and hopefully we'll be able to release them in 2021. Okay, final question time. Since COVID-19 is still out, how do you see the future of our hobby? Well, I have to tell you, I have no idea. I don't think any of us could have predicted COVID-19 in the first place, and I have no idea what its long-term effects are going to be on people. Hopefully with the vaccine, we'll see COVID become more under control so people can start socializing again and possibly even traveling. But I think it's still going to take a while. I think most of 2021 will still be very similar to 2020. But I don't think that's going to stop people from playing board games. I think a lot of people who maybe weren't interested in playing games solo are starting to learn to enjoy that now. And more people are finding ways to connect online through Skype or Zoom, playing games that way, or on Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia. We gamers got a game, so we're going to find ways to do it no matter what. But I have to tell you, I think when we finally get past COVID and can safely get together, we're just going to see an explosion of people going to their local games cafes or game stores and wanting to be around each other and enjoying this hobby across the table from one another like we've always been able to do in the past. And people who've maybe never gone to a convention before, I think once the possibility becomes available to go again, we'll see those conventions just explode with more people than ever before. But again, hopefully only once we're able to do so safely. In the meantime, I'm going to keep making videos about this board game hobby I love so much. And hopefully all of you will keep watching and enjoying. Okay, and that was the 20 questions interview with Rodney. Thank you once again, Rodney. It was very informative. And we finish the interview in a happy and optimistic note. And on that note, let me just say again, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was a pleasure to be able to answer some of your questions. I hope you enjoyed that. And until next time, thanks for listening. Okay, so let's wrap up this episode. My next guest was already mentioned in this episode. So you can make your guesses down in the comments. Once again, thank you for listening. I will see you next time. אוקיי, מי שנשאר, ברוכים הבאים, איזה כיף קצת לחזור לעברית. אז מה היה לנו בפרק לטובת אלה שלא דוברי אנגלית, או רוצים לשמוע רק את החלק הזה? אז אספתי שאלות מהקהילה לרודני סמית. למי שלא מכיר אותו, הוא יוטיובר מקנדה, שמלמד חוקי משחקים, כמובן בתחביב שלנו, משחקי קופסה. הוא אב לשניים, הוא עושה סרטוני הדרכה, אלו כעבודה מלאה. אז בואו נעשה סקירה קצרה וזריזה על מה היה לנו בעצם בפרק. שאלות ששאלנו אותו הן השאלות הבאות. איך הוא בעצם בוחר על מה לעשות סרטון? ורוד נענה שהוא צריך לאהוב את המשחק. 
הוא לא יסביר חוקים למשחקים שכבר דומים למשהו שהוא כבר עשה בעבר, וגם כמובן, כמו שציינתי, בגלל שהוא עושה זאת כעבודה מלאה, צריכים לשלם לו על ההסברים האלה. השאלות הבאות ששאלנו אותו, זה איזה טיפוס של גיימר הוא, מה הסרטון שהוא הכי אהב לעשות, ומתי יחזור הוולוג שלו. חוד נענה שהוא אהב את כל סוגי המשחקים, ואין לו משהו ספציפי. אותו דבר הוא גם אמר לגבי סרטון, אין לו איזשהו סרטון ספציפי שהוא אוהב, הוא פשוט שמח לראות את התגובות שלנו, שאנשים לומדים ממנו ומבינים טוב יותר את החוקים של המשחקים. ולגבי הוולוג, כרגע הוא מכיל 50 פרקים, אני אוסיף את הקישור למטה גם כן. אם הוא היה יכול לשחק עם כל אדם בעולם, מי זה היה? עודנה אמר שהוא סקרן לשחק עם כדורסלנים, כמו מייקל ג'ורדן, עם האסטרונאוט הקנדי שלהם, ועם דיוויד קופרפילד הקוסם. עם מי הוא בעיקר משחק שזה לא ענייני עבודה? רודנה עונה שהוא עושה זאת עם המשפחה שלו. שאלות נוספות ששאלנו אותו הם, בתור המורה המפורסר ביותר ברשת למשחקי קופסה, האם יש לו איזה טיפים לתת לנו? רודנה אומר שיש לו הרבה טיפים, אבל האחד שהוא יכול לתת לנו, זה לפני שאנחנו מלמדים את החוקים, כדאי לעבור על זה לבד, ולהסביר לעצמנו בקול רם. ברגע שאנחנו מסבירים את זה בקול רם, זה נשמע אחרת מאשר להסביר לעצמנו את החוקים בראש, כי המוח שלנו באופן אוטומטי משלים לבד את החלקים. באשר למשחקים האהובים של רודני, הוא ענה שוב, שאין לו משהו ספציפי. ממה שאני הבנתי ממנו, הוא די אוהב את Mention of Madness. לפעמים הוא אומר שהוא גם מאוד אוהב לשחק במילה אחת, או את Terraforming Mars. הכל תלוי אם הוא משחק ומתי הוא משחק. ולכן יכול להיות מצב שמשחק אחד יותר אהוב עליו עכשיו, מאשר אחר. אז הוא נמנע מלתת לנו איזושהי תשיבה יותר מדויקת. כאשר משחקים איתו אנשים, האם הוא מסביר את החוקים בעצמו או מפנה אותנו לסרטון מסוים? זאת שאלה שבאמת הצחיקה אותו. הוא אמר שהוא יגלה לנו סוד קטן, לפני שהוא מסביר לאנשים, הוא רואה את הסרטון שלו, כדי להיזכר, ורק לאחר מכן הוא מסביר זאת. אז איך רודן בעצם מכין סרטונים? רודני אומר שהוא קודם עובר היטב על החוקים, זה תלוי כמובן באורך המשחק, אחר כך הוא מכין תסריט, עובר עליו היטב ומתחיל לצלם. הצילם עצמו יכול לקחת לו בין שעתיים לבין שלוש. ומה לגבי הסרטון הכי מייגע שהוא צילם? הוא מתאר שזה היה איזשהו משחק מיניאטורות ספציפי, שהוא היה צריך לחלק את זה לשישה סרטונים שונים. הוא עדיין מאוד נהנה לעשות זאת, אבל בהחלט אמר שזה גם היה מאוד מעייף. כששואלים אותו מה הוא עושה בחיים, והוא עונה על התחביב, מה בעצם התגובות על כך? רודני אומר שבדרך כלל קצת מופתעים, ושואלים אותו, אז איך הוא בעצם מרוויח מזה כסף? האם הוא משחק בכלל משחקי מחשב, או משחקי קופסה במחשב? רודני אומר שהוא מסביר בסבלנות שהוא משחק משחקי קופסה כמו קטן, טיקט טו רייד, מונופול וכל האהובים האהובים והמוכרים האחרים. הוא מעדיף לא להעמיס עליהם יותר מדי פרטים והוא מסביר שהתרביב שלנו מכיל משחקים מאתגרים ומעניינים יותר ממה שאחרים חושבים. היו עוד כמובן הרבה שאלות נקודתיות על החלקים בו בסרטון רודני זורק את קופסאות באוויר ותופס אותם. מתוכם הוא בחר לענות על, רק על שניים מהם. האם תוכן הקופסה הוא מלא או ריק? ורודני העדיף להשאיר את זה מסטורי. בנוסף, הם עדיין לא מאמינים לו שהוא כל הזמן תופס את הקופסאות, והוא בטוח מפספס פעם או פעמיים. הם ביקשו הוכחה לכך, ורודני אמר שאין לו בעיה, הוא מספק למטה סרטון פספוסים בנושא. שאלה נוספת היא, מאיזה חלק רודני נהנה בלהכין את הסרטונים? והוא אומר שברגע שהתסריט מוכן, סרטון עלה לרשת, הוא בעיקר אוהב לקרוא את התגובות ולענות עליהן, והוא בעיקר שמח שהסרטון פשוט עלה לאוויר. מה דעתו על משחקים שמשלבים גם אפליקציה? עודני אומר שזה נהדר ויכול להוסיף. מצד שני, יש אנשים שנוטים לחשוב שאם האפליקציה לא תעבוד להם בעתיד מתישהו, אז המשחק לא שווה. והוא נתן עוד פעם כדוגמה את Mention of Madness, שהוא כבר מכיר את כל התרחישים בעל פה. כך שגם אם תתקלקל איכשהו האפליקציה, הוא יסתדר. 
הוא מעדיף להסתעסק בהווה, בכאן ובעכשיו, ולא במה יקרה בעתיד. האם אי פעם רודני נתקע בלמידת משחק? ואם כן, מה הוא עושה? אז רודני אמר שזה קרה לו עם המשחק רובינזון קרוזו, המהדורה הראשונה. הוא לא כל כך הצליח להבין ומכר את המשחק. בהמשך הוא קיבל מהדורה מחודשת, שתיקנו שם את החוקים. והתשובה שלו אומר שהוא בדרך כלל מחפש גם באתר של PGG, או שהוא פונה ליוצר, או שהוא פשוט מתייאש. הוא גם ציין שבדרך כלל הסרטונים שלו יותר מדויקים מספר החוקים. כי כשהוא עובד על סרטון, יש לו קשר ישיר עם היוצרים, ולפעמים יש טעויות בספר עצמו. כך שיש לו הזדמנות לתקן ולהסביר את הדרך הנכונה, בעוד שהספר נשאר עם הדפסה עם טעויות. ביקשנו מרודני להגיד את המשפט המפורסם אגב, לוק, אני אבא שלך, ממלחמת הכוכבים, ורודני עשה חיקוי נהדר. בהמשך שאלנו אותו גם מה אוהב לעשות בזמנו הפנוי. והתשובה שלו היא שלאחרונה הוא לומד לעשות קסמים כתחביב נוסף. הוא לא בהכרח הכי טוב בזה, אבל הוא לא מאוד נהנה מזה. אם כבר דיברנו באמת על הבן של רודני, שאלנו מה קורה עם הילדים, למה הם לא מופיעים בסרטונים יותר, ואיזה טיפים יש לו לתת לנו על עניין הלשחק עם הילדים. רודני אומר שהבת שלו כבר עזבה את הבית למחוז אחר בקנדה, ולוק כבר גדול ועדיין בבית הספר מתעסק בלימודים, בתחביבים האישיים שלו ובזמן עם החברים. הוא לא רוצה כאבא ללחוץ על ילדיו. זאת העבודה שהוא בחר לעשות, ולא של הילדים שלו. הוא ישמח לארח אותם תמיד, אבל הוא לא ילחץ עליהם לעשות את זה. באשר לטיפים, הוא אומר שצריך לשחק עם ילדים משחקים כליליים, ועם הזמן הם יתרגלו וישחקו משחקים מורכבים יותר. הילדים הרי יישארו הרבה זמן אצל ההורים, אז אין כל כך מה לדאוג בנושא. השאלות האחרונות הן שאלות שאני שאלתי. לגבי הגדלת הערוץ, האם הוא יכול לספר את זה שהם חוויות? כי הוא צירף אליו עוד מנחים. רודני נהנה משאלה זו, וענה שבהתחלה הוא היה לבדו, כך שאם הוא היה חולה, הוא רוצה מנוחה, הערוץ לא היה ממשיך להיות מתוחזק וחבל. היום למזלו המצב הוא אחרת. הוא נהנה מאוד עם האנשים שהוא הוסיף, הוא מספר שהפגישות עבודה איתם מאוד מצחיקות. שאלה אחרונה לסיום ששאלתי, ומה דעתו יקרה כשהקורונה תיגמר? הוא אומר שהוא לא כל כך יודע, אבל לדעתו הכנסים יהיו מפוצצים, אנשים יתגעגעו לחזור לשחק אחד עם השני. כיום יותר אנשים משחקים סולו, או בזום, או בכל מיני דרכים דיגיטליות נוספות. מבחינתו כשחקנים אנחנו תמיד נמצא דרך לשחק וליהנות מהתחביב. אז תודה רבה שוב לכל מי ששאל שאלות. אם פספסתם או לא קיבלתם תשובה, לא נורא. אורחים נוספים יהיו, אז תנסו להיות קשובים. התוכנית הולכת להיות אחת לחודש. אז תודה לכולם על ההאזנה, גם של החלק הזה. ונתראה בפעם הבאה.